Morning. Victor Frankl was a psychiatrist and a Jew. He was imprisoned in the camps of Nazi Germany during the Second World War, where he experienced things so horrendous to our sense of what's right and wrong that it's deeply unpleasant to retell them. His parents, brother and wife, all died in the camps, and apart from his sister, his whole family perished. Victor himself was subject to cruel and unimaginable torture, never knowing whether the next moment would lead to his death. One day, subjected to one of the many humiliations the prisoners would experience, he became aware of what he later described as the last of the human freedoms, a freedom that his captors could not take away. They could control almost everything, his environment, what happened to his body, what he could eat, drink, or do. But between what happened to him and his response to it was his freedom, his power to choose how he responded. He was able to exercise this freedom using his self-awareness, his memory, and imagination until his freedom grew larger and larger until it became bigger than that of his captors, to the point where he could find meaning in his own suffering and help those around him to find dignity and meaning in theirs too. From his experiences came a whole new understanding and shift in the treatment of mental health, which you can read about in his incredible book, Man's Search for Meaning. So, if Viktor Frankl could find meaning in the cruel treatment he received and witnessed in the camps of the Second World War, what does that mean for us as we try and find meaning where we are? With a war close to home in Europe, a cost of living crisis on our doorstep, a crumbling NHS, and what honestly feels at times to be an unstable government. Well, today we meet properly for the first time in three years for remembrance. And as a nation, we find great meaning in that. It means something to be able to come together to be free to remember and free to respond with respect and gratitude to the memory of those who gave their lives so that we might live. In the passage that Stephen just read to us, we meet a rich young man as he encounters Jesus. And as we listen, we discover that the man seems to find great meaning in his wealth. This man is doing very nicely for himself, thank you. He was loaded. And no doubt, as a consequence, he was well-known and respected. But his question to Jesus suggests that he knew something was missing. Perhaps his outward successes were not really providing the deep meaning that he was looking for. And he hopes that Jesus will point 
to how he, by his own efforts, can work to achieve the life forever that he desires. And notice in verse 16 of the passage that Stephen read, he uses the word get to describe what he wants. He's obsessed with what he has. Life eternal is something else to add to his list of achievements. Successful businessman, good husband and father, respected in the community. To be a success with God too would be the full house. And so he asks, what good thing must I do to get life eternal? To which Jesus replies, there is only one who is good. Now, to imply that goodness is not something that can be owned to a man who assumes from his many outward successes that he'll be easily able to achieve the good thing needed to secure life eternal would have been rather difficult for him to hear. And so Jesus goes on, telling him to keep God's commands. But he's already done that. What do I still lack, he says, aware that keeping God's rules and even his ability to do good things has not been enough. Jesus, in response, rather than giving him something to have, the man's obsession, Jesus offers him something special to be, a follower of him. Jesus knows that the wealth of the man is what stands between him and his understanding of the meaning of his life. But Jesus' life-changing offer is drowned out by the words, sell and give. The man is broken-hearted at being asked to go and sell all that he owns. Because what he owns is more important to him than following the man who he has just asked for a solution. The tragedy of this man, who wants everything, including religion, is that he is not free. He doesn't have money and possessions and standing in the community. They have him. He may well have been willing to make a huge donation from his wealth to secure his life forever, for that would have been a good thing to do. But to surrender his entire wealth is unthinkable. And so in that moment, as he walks away, he loses both eternal life and the adventure of a lifetime spent with Jesus. I wonder what rings loud in our ears that drowns out the deepest meaning in our lives. And it doesn't have to be money. It could be how clever we are, how many followers we have on social media, how many friends we have. It could be how we look, which school or university we went to, or simply whether we won or lost. Soldiers who make it back from war don't understand their lives to have more meaning than those who didn't make it back. Because meaning doesn't derive 
from what we achieve or what we have, but it's derived from who we understand, understand ourselves to be and how we respond to what's around us. Viktor Frankl realised that life had meaning without power, money, success or even physical freedom. He saw that even suffering and death had meaning. And this is why we choose to remember, because however much we hate the concept of war and the suffering it brings, we understand the meaning in the sacrifice that others have made on our behalf. So, if we can't find meaning and wholeness through gaining power, money and success, then where can we find it? Well, the passage strongly suggests that we can find meaning in God through Jesus. Because as Jesus said, God is good. As we read on, we see the man walk away. And Jesus moves his attention to his disciples. He tells them how difficult it is for the rich, those who find meaning in their wealth, success and standing, to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples are shocked. Because then as now, their culture favoured the rich and famous over the poor and the marginalised. Only as Jesus brings it to their attention do they begin to see wealth and success as a barrier to entering the kingdom of heaven and not as a sign of God's favour. And so they ask, who then can be saved? And Jesus looks at them and he says, with man this is impossible. What must they have thought? So what on earth can be done then? Jesus knows that we need to hear that securing our own salvation is beyond us before we will look to God. He's been teaching all along that only God is good. And he goes even further in verse 26 when he says, with God, but with God, all things are possible. Here, in this moment, our human calculations and possibilities can stop. And we can begin to let God's start. For what's impossible for us, we discover to our amazement, is possible for God. God alone can overrule the pursuits that get in the way of our understanding of the meaning in our lives. We begin to see the things that are stopping us from understanding the meaning in our lives. And we see the true impact that the pursuit of power and money on a national and global scale has. The constant cycle of war, of greed, of the inequality of resources, of global warming, the exclusion of the poor and the marginalisation of the weak. And it comes as a shock to see our powerlessness, even over our own desires and of those of the world. But we can no more control them than we can control war and human misery. Victory and the freedom of the kind that bring true meaning are only God's to give. And because God is good 
and can do all things, we can be secure that he will. Viktor Frankl realised that how we respond to a situation is what gives us meaning. A person has a choice in how they respond. He remembers watching prisoners walking through the huts, comforting others and giving away their last pieces of bread. There may not have been many of them, but for him it proved that everything can be taken from a person except one thing, that last human freedom to choose how to respond to any given circumstance. The rich young man had a choice. He could follow Jesus and say yes to treasure in heaven, or he could walk away. Rather than leaving broken-hearted, the man could have fallen to his knees and asked Jesus to remove from him the hold that his money, possessions and position had over him. What we can earn or achieve by our own kindness and skill is nothing compared to what Jesus wants to offer us. Jesus doesn't call us into the nothingness that the rich young man fears. He calls us only to move our investments to a better place, a place where we should expect really good returns. It's by God's goodness that the things we get wrong and we can't do are covered by Jesus. Jesus went on to die on the cross, a story that's told over and over again as we take bread and wine together to remember what he did. Jesus, like the soldiers that we remember today, gave his life in exchange for our imperfections and weaknesses so that we might live in relationship with God, free from all the things that hold us back from a full life. So if we are tempted, if you are tempted to think that you're not good enough for God or that you're not deserving, then I urge you to think again. God doesn't care what you have or don't have. He offers you an intimate relationship with him for nothing. You can accept his offer now to lay down those things that stand in the way of your search for meaning in exchange for treasure in heaven. That will be everything that you will ever need and more in this life and the next. Amen.